You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassman Securities. David, the markets, um, I don't know, I'm getting a sort of a feeling that the markets sort of become a little bit becalmed. I mean, I'm not saying that the pain is over, but it does feel as though you're getting three or four days of relative stability and then there's another little leg down, but it's not as bad as it was. Because don't forget, this sell-off started six weeks ago and um, the S&P was flirting with bear market territory. The Nasdaq is in bear market territory uh, still. The Dow Jones, I don't know. But anyway, it just seems a little bit better. The sellers have exhausted themselves, I think. What do you think? I think that's exactly it. I think people are exhausted and, and, and tired of the bad news. And literally, they're resting. I think, I think uh, the schools break up soon, probably within a few weeks. Everybody's preparing to go on leave or to go on holiday. And uh, I think you're going to have a respite. I don't think the news has stopped. I don't think the, the bad news will stop until such time as we get a, a better grip on inflation and people understand um, a little bit more about uh, inflation. Also, the news is unrelenting. So yeah. we're, we're, still getting, we're still getting lots of uh, worrying. Uh, every commentator is still cautious. Uh, and, and, you know, so, so nobody wants to buy against that backdrop. So, you know, that's, that's the best that I can explain it. I think, would I buy now? You know, I'm testing myself. I'm in the same category. No, I don't need to. You know what I mean? My clients have got, mm. we've got exposure. Just let's see what happens. Don't be too quick to, you know, to call the turnaround. Let's, oh. uh, get... I must tell you one thing. I just have yes. to digress. Um, I didn't know that Davos was happening again. Nor did I. Maybe I... I honestly did not know it until I saw Bloomberg's and I saw, uh, you know, I've seen everybody there perhaps. And I don't think everyone's there this time. I think there's a much more reduced crowd. It is green rather than white. Uh, I'm talking about the foliage. Foliage. So, mm-hmm. um, foliage, yeah. But, I mean, so what, what was interesting, I was listening to an interview with uh, Stiglitz and um, – Joseph Stiglitz, who's a Nobel laureate. Yes. And Nobel. Noble. Noble. Noble, that's N O B L E. This is N O B E L. And um, he, he said, when they were asking about inflation, he says, How will a rise in interest rates help grow more food? Yeah. So, what he said, what he was Good saying, point. the first thing he said, Yeah, he says, It's not going to help. He says, You have to address the supply side. In other words, so he was talking about. You know, you can apply that to anything else. In other words, bring more food on. And why I refer that is that it was a lead article in The Economist this week, Lindsay, and it's worth reading because it's scary. It really is, you know. What's I the know name of the article? You, no, it's on The Economist. It's a leader article. It just oh, okay. said mm-hmm. uh, food, you know, catastrophe. And, yeah. um, and, and, and when you read it and then you go into the briefing, you just see what's involved in the production of food, and how uh, United Nations, the the uh, you know calling, are, are nervous that this is going to create an absolute calamity, particularly with poverty-stricken countries, where they won't be getting food, they won't be able to, you know, you'll get malnutrition and starvation and other issues like that, yeah. and how they're calling for 
both parties, you know, the Ukraine and Russia, just to get the wheat out. And they identify, as you've done, I think, with Nick quite a few times, just what is produced there. So I think I think it's another very scary situation that is evolving. Um, this, you know, the whole question about um, about wheat, the grains, uh, as well as oil, you know, um, sunflower oil and so on. So many things that are, are, are needed to to give, give people, um, uh, you know, I mean, to feed people. And, and, and Lindsay, the other big point was how much goes on food, you know, in poor nations, how much of uh, the wallet or the amount of earnings that people uh, have in their pockets goes on actual food. Well, you this know, is the thing. 40%. Mm. Poorer people in the United Kingdom, I saw a program about this uh, over the weekend, and the lower income earners, let's not call them poor mm. because they're not poor because they live in okay. a, a first world country, apparently. Up until the Ukraine war, they were spending 10% of their income on energy. It's now 20%, so it's doubled. Yeah. So their energy costs per month have doubled. And if you if you look at what you're saying now, I mean, I'm looking at the wheat price. I mean, the wheat price has come down. It was 1,322, yeah. and that's a, a misrepresentation because it was actually, uh, I think it went to $13.22 per bushel. It's fallen a little bit, but it's still at its highest level in history. And the other thing is there's, I think there's something like 25 million tons of wheat sitting in warehouses in yeah. the Ukraine that can't get yeah. out of the can't okay. get out of the country because the Russians won't won't let it because the yeah. ports of Mariupol is obviously completely destroyed they can't get it to Odessa they can't put it on trains and mm. Putin is playing politics with with food and I think it's a disgrace so and of course the other thing is the next year is going to be the same because they can't plant People That's are not exactly planting because point. everybody's gone and there's no people to plant the crops for next year. Yes, so it, the wheat price is going to be at this elevated level uh, for for a couple of years now. And the poorest of the poor, or rather the people that eat the, this basic food stuff, i.e. Mm. something that goes to make bread, they're not going to have wheat, which is, mm. it, yeah. it is a catastrophe, David. Mm. No, I, well, this is the point. You know, this is this is one of the biggest issues now. Um, that's going to face the world. The other point is that if you can't get it out in the next, even if they do have another crop, it'll rot yeah. because there are no silos in which to store it and so on. So I think I think when you're getting news like this, and I'm not an alarmist, I'm just saying this becomes a world problem. This is not a financial market problem. This is a serious you know, global issue. So it's very hard to to uh, get your way out of it, you know. And then you've got the normal weather issues as well. Yeah. You've got the Indian problem where, uh, you know, where where they have a drought and somewhere else they've got floods and that, you know, which are the normal things that happen on an annual basis. So I think the news, all, all I'm pointing out is that we've still got a lot of news to get through before you can call uh, the bottom of this market on a turnaround. I think we're getting there. By getting there, I mean we're within a few points. And this might even be the bottom, but it'll take some time to convince people that it's the bottom. You know, that's what I'm saying. So, yes, this might be the bottom, but I think before you feel confidence to get into the water and, you know, put your toe in the water, I think you it's going to take a bit of time. I'm, I'm okay. You know what I mean? I'm happy just to sit it out. 
and and uh, you know you, sometimes you have to show patience. You don't have to always try and get the bottom or the bounce and search for it. And that just digest what's happening. You know, just digest the news, uh, absorb it, and and prepare yourself for the next move in the market. Yeah. Okay, let's get on to some specifics now and go to the JC Securities Exchange where yeah. Hulimin came out with another cautionary uh, Invicta trading statement and in the early exchanges up 2.1%. Diskem, one of your favourites, uh, came out with annual results. Netcare interims, Barlow World interims as well. Uh, we've had Adcorp and Impala with their latest update on Royal Baffer King share acquisitions and also Alexander Forbes. You probably want to have a look at Diskem, David, because I know you're a devotee. Yeah of that place tell me about discount it's a good number i think i think what's interesting about it and i've still got to do my in-depth you know i've gone through these results very superficially it's um mm. i'll be doing it in the next hour or so and go into it a little bit more detail i like to go through and read them and then say okay uh, you know what lies ahead let's go deep down i like to look at the divisional breakdowns and that. But I think this game has come a long way and I think the, the business is starting to mature a lot. I know, you know, one never knows what the market was forecasting and whether this met the forecast or not. But regardless of that, I think it's a it's it's um do you know what I mean? It's a business that's uh, doing pretty well. The market liked it, but it's a day in which the markets like everything. So yeah. um they're slowly picking up. And I think you know, together with Clicks, they're two very good businesses. Clicks is a much smaller concept, uh, more a beauty shop, whereas Diskem is your your kind of wholesale shop. You know, the, the size of the stores. I know they're trying to get into smaller stores as well, but I think overall a very very convincing and decent number. And I think as they grow, you know, as they roll out more stores, and uh, um, it's you know they'll do well. I, it's expensive. I don't think you're buying it cheap. But you know, Lindsay, I'm never one who who looks at multiples, you know, PE ratios of that to the second decimal point or the fourth decimal point. If it's a good business and they're growing their earnings, well, when are you going to buy it? You know, you'll never you'll never find the ideal time. So if you like the business, buy it. Okay, and you do like the business. I mean, Clicks has been mm. an elevated mm. PE yeah. for for many many years, and it, it still doesn't sell off. Everybody says, "Oh, well, it should it should no. come down now," but yeah, exactly. it doesn't. It keeps no. on going because it's defensive right. and it's a high quality business. So people yeah. say, "Well, this is the JSC. Uh, it's a shrinking universe. So therefore, I've got to put my money if I'm going to invest in the JSC. I've got to go into high quality companies, and this is one. And yeah. I I think that's one of the reasons why it stays elevated. Yeah, you you limited for choice here. Exactly. So I heard what you know when you buy shares, it's a process of elimination. I, it's not my quote that I uh, I was at a meeting and uh, discussing investments with somebody with some people, and they said in South Africa it's exactly that. You eliminate the companies you don't want, ah. and therefore you left with those that you do want. And I think this is one that you do want. And if you look at the chart, I mean, you look at it, it's just heading. From bottom left to top right, that you know the the trend is 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 well established. Just play that, you know. You don't you don't have to uh, you don't have to try and second guess it. The same, this game has got slightly <laughs> kind of uh, a much more volatility, but um, I think recently it's it's picked up a a long way, and I think it's back to the levels at which 
when it was listed back in 2017. So it's made up all the losses because it went through a pretty rough time. Yeah. You know, and but it's picked up again, and I think they're getting the business model right. I think it, it fits in with Shoprite. You know, I'm not a great listen. I'm not SA Inc. person. No, you're not. I'm not a person. You know, and and also particularly in an inflationary environment where you've got these high volume, low uh, low margin businesses, they're always vulnerable to price increases. But uh, um, I think you know the the companies that have handled themselves exceptionally well uh, have been you know clicks. Uh, um, Diskem, Shoprite, I think, and if you looked at Fashini's results as well, also very, very good business. You know, super, super, you know, super results. But that's not my style at the moment. I'm, you know, I think at the end of the day, they they are driven by the SA, you know, by the South African economy. Yes. Okay. So you've never really been a big SA Inc. man in the last few years that we've been speaking. And you've been absolutely right. You've gone for big tech in the United States, for example. And I'm not uh, characterizing you as just a big tech focused blinkered person. But on the other hand, you must be slightly worried. I mean, we've had these things. We've had the Pelotons and the Amazons. I know you're not an investor in Peloton, Uh, Amazon, Facebook, um, Mm. and, and a few other big tech companies. They're starting to, they also start to worry me a little bit because of their high valuations and also the way that the market is treating them. And not just the market, when I say the market, I mean the market participants, but also the way the consumer is starting to shift. Because the consumer's clever. The consumer says, I don't, want, I don't need Netflix anymore because the, yeah, yeah. My, my petrol bill is going right. up, my food bill is going up. I don't need, uh, I don't need Netflix yeah. anymore. I can do without it. What do you think about that sort of attitude? Yeah. You, you're dead right. You know, and and I've never been. That's why I never bought Netflix. Mm. I've never been there, and and I go, th- we go through our portfolios often. In other words, we always kind of reestablish where we are, and I'm very comfortable with the portfolio that we have at the moment, the global portfolio. And it's not only big tech. There are a lot of, uh, a lot of other businesses in there as well, uh, quite a bit of pharmaceutical healthcare. And on the healthcare side, I must admit we've gone, I've gone for two ETFs because I think there's so much growth in that area, but you can't find the ones that are going to be the winners. You know, it can be it, – it's, you're up to – it's up to the FDA, the uh, – what's it, the – Drug is, uh, Federal Drug and uh, Association. Administ- the administration, the Federal administration, Drug Administration. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've got, but, but overall, I'm, I, and, you know, quite happy with, with uh, the spread that we've got. It's about 20 to 25 businesses uh, that I like, and we're just holding on to them. But none of them, every one of the businesses we own or every one of the companies we own are generate cash, they generate profits. They've got enough money to plow back. In other words, they don't have to go and borrow. So, um, and it's been a rule that I followed religiously. You know, you can get very carried away with uh, with uh, PowerPoint presentations or reading tech magazines about the future and that. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, Lindsay, I, I, I learned a lesson from, I don't know if you would remember Alistair Cahoon. In your early days, I don't know if he was around. He was wasn't he? he was a, a, not a journalist, was it? Was he a journalist? No, he was a fund manager at UAL. Oh, I wouldn't uh, remember that. Uh, he was a Scot, and but he he, he was a when I say colourful, you can uh, he was a very colourful chap. You and, mean he was naughty? Uh, and, 
Well, I don't know. This is in the 70s and 80s and those areas. No, I don't think naughty. He just he had fun. And like most people on the stock market in those days. But yeah. I remember we were listing a business and uh, down in the – I don't know. It was a – it made um, acrylic wool. And he, we invited him to come and see the factory. And he said to me, let me see the numbers. In other words, I want to see the numbers first yeah. before I see the machinery. In other words, yeah. because you can sometimes get, if, what's the word, swayed by the beauty of the factory. You know, a clean factory floor, magnificent machines, you know, staff well-dressed in white, uh, in white overalls, etc. You know, Just show me the business. Show me the numbers. And when I've seen the numbers, I'll come down and see the machinery. And it had a big impression on me. You know, in other words, it's, yeah, it's very easy to get swayed by, by pictures and photographs. And like factories. Tesla, for example. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and, and, and that's why I say, show me the numbers. <laughs> let's, let's look at the numbers. Let's look at the cash book and then we'll go and look at the machinery. Yeah. Show me the money. What was that film with uh, with Tom, yeah. Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Anyway, I didn't like the film, but um, <laughs> I watched it because I was with someone that wanted to watch it. I can't remember. Anyway, so, uh, so no more. There was Barlow World numbers out this morning, which mm. were quite well received because of the perceived Russia situation calming down mm. a little bit, ad corp. Uh, but nothing else that caught your eye today, David? Well, no, none of them are. You know... Th- Invictor, uh, Netcare, all of those I think mm. are within reason. Look, they're all coming out of the pandemic. I've always I like Invictor, and I think they're well placed. New management there, Stephen Joffe, um, well placed uh, for a growing economy yes. that will be driven by manufacturing and mining, and that that's the same as Barlow World. I've got to go through Barlow World in a greater detail because I want to look at the Russian situation. I know that they're impairing some of their running costs. Uh, not the running costs, they're, they're holding values. But uh, uh, it, it, for me, it's still a worry about how that, um, you know, how that unfolds. And also, you know, they've got so many different earning numbers that you can select, which I love about accounting. But otherwise, it wasn't anything that's, that's outstanding, you know, that, that, that really um, kind of make me, what's the name, you know, uh, change views or look at something yeah there are no game changers in other words yeah no no game change not exactly okay now i have to get on to something a little bit more serious uh, david and more important uh the english premiership season ended yesterday which is a a tragedy for me although they do bring the season forward this year because of the winter a summer 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 world (laughs) actually summer world cup so they start again on august the 6th so i've got what have i got to endure another week or so of uh, of may and i've got june and july and a bit of august so i've got maybe two months and two and a half weeks to go till it starts again and then they break and then there's the world cup and then they come back and it all starts again it's going to be a fantastic year but david yesterday i started to get excited around about two o'clock my time I started to think, right, I'm going to have the beer on the left-hand side here and the biltong on the right-hand side here, and I'm going to get get ready for this. My chair is in the right place. I'm going to get the right channel and everything. And I watched something called The Switch in the Netherlands where you can watch every single game. And what they do is they switch as the name suggests, between games. So you'll be watching Man City against Aston Villa, and then suddenly they'll switch 
to Liverpool Wolves because there's been a, a goal or a, a close incident or something like that. And I watched yeah. the, I watched this thing and I, I Man City Aston Villa, which was my main uh, focus as my main screen. And then the, I was switching between the others. I've never seen anything like what I saw yesterday. Mm-hmm. My emotions were up and down. I'm not even a Man City supporter. I just like Pep mm-hmm. Guardiola. He's a genius. He's mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. I, yeah. You, and and it, talking mm-hmm. to you off air, yeah. you didn't watch it, did you? No, I'll tell you what happened. Please. My greatest experience was 1989 when Arsenal needed to win 2-0 oh, to win the league. I was there. That to Michael me was Thomas. Great. That's right. In the last minute, one minute to go. Incredible game. McManaman put his finger up to, to the thing, so one minute to go, they scored through Bruce Krobler's legs. And just uh, before you go I on, never, just so I can remember, mm-hmm. who, was the, who was the big beaky chap, the big centre-forward that scored the first goal for Arsenal? What was his name? No, he was Gorky. No, you've got me now as an Arsenal man. Okay. But, uh, I'm going to look I'll, at it while, you, while, while you're talking. It, anyway, while talking. That was the, an but, incredible, mm, incredible game. That was game. the first one, yeah. But I never thought I would ever see a game. Yeah, I've seen you know Man United come back against uh, other teams in the last few minutes. But when Man City went down two 0 yeah, I said no, nah, I'm not going to watch. I can't stomach this. I've finished. I don't want to see Liverpool celebrate. That was the last picture on my mind. You don't like so Liverpool, do you? No, no, I don't like Liverpool supporters. So I think. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so the last thing I want to them is is to run around and hear this. Oh my God! And also, you know, they've won two cups on on penalties. They haven't really won those cups. They're a great team. I'm not going to challenge them in any respect. But they didn't win the cups. You know, that's um, it's something that really gets in me is that how you win on penalties and go running around as though you won the cup. No, you didn't. Anyway, so I thought, no, they can't have them now. Uh, winning four four trophies, you know, especially this way. So I turned off and I started to watch Arsenal, who were pretty impressive against Everton. And I was waiting Excuse for the me. commentators. They're playing uh-huh. against Everton. Everton are rubbish and Everton are safe, so they weren't playing. They didn't care. They weren't playing, I know. But still, it was nice to see Arsenal score some goals. And even if they were performing in front of their crowds, it was nice to see some good movements. Odegaard was superb. But um, anyway, I waited for the commentators to keep us up to date, and nothing was said. So I assumed that uh, you know that that nothing had changed, and that Liverpool were ahead and block. And then right at the end, I thought, okay, let me have a look, you know, after the Arsenal game because, and I saw the score. I could not believe it. I couldn't believe I could it. Not believe I missed those goals. I Davis. just can't believe it. David, they scored three goals in five and a half no. minutes. No, they, no. They, with 15 minutes to go, they were 2-0 down at home. And you knew no. Liverpool were going to score against yeah. Wolves. So you knew Liverpool were going to get the title. And then uh, Pep Guardiola, he just changed everything. He brought on Gundogan yeah. and he brought Gundogan. on Raheem Sterling. And they yeah. transformed the game. He's a, he's a tactical genius. He just The only thing is... He did it. Um, he did it too late. Anyway, um, too late. Smith was the scorer in the fifty-third yeah, minute. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What is his first name? I can't remember. Andy no, Smith, no. Steve Smith. I don't no, know what his name was. No, no. What was his it's name? A, oh my God! Uh, anyway, Alan Smith. Alan, Alan, Alan Smith. He was the scorer in the fifty-third minute, and uh, Michael Thomas. 
And I remember it distinctly because I was sitting in a bar called um, Miller's on Rivonia mm. Road with my bookmaker. And uh, I had a bet on Arsenal to win it. I think I got 15 to 1 or something for them to do it. Something ridiculous. Uh, and then Michael Thomas scored in the first minute of injury time to win the game. Yeah. I'm going to watch yeah. it on YouTube again tonight. It was, it was no, a it glorious was moment in my life. It was no, brilliant. No. You were there, right? No, I was watching on TV. Oh, I see. But I've still got a photograph that, that my wife Linda took of my son, Jonathan, and myself just celebrating there. And uh, I'd never seen anything like this. Nor and it I. was gold. They, they won on goal difference. That's all. Yeah. They won on goal difference. And they had they had done the same thing as they do most seasons. They had actually thrown the lead during that season and then had to come back from behind to try and win. And Liverpool at that time were invincible. They yeah. were absolutely invincible. So I didn't you – know, you know what, though, but, uh, you know, credit to, to Liverpool. There is, you know they're going to just grind a win. And I think that's what's so annoying is because they're so good. You know, Mane and uh, Seller and uh, just generally the team is a huge – that's why I, I, d I don't like them, just because they're so good, you know. <laughs> okay, so answer me this question. Answer me this question. They're playing Real Madrid in the UEFA yeah. Champions League final at the Stade de France on Saturday mm. night, the 28th. Yeah. Who's going to win? Who do you want to win and who is going to win? Real Madrid will win. Oh, because of Benzema or just because you don't want Liverpool to, to win? What, no, what, what, what? I, just, I just, I think they're a good team. You know, I, Liverpool I think are a Real better Madrid, team. Yeah. Uh, they are a better team, but I think that they'll, I think they've just got that, I mean, the way that they've come back in the semi-final and uh, you just, you, you can't put them down. They're not, they're not anywhere as attractive as they used to be, not at all. Mm. But they're still not a bad team. And uh, listen, Liverpool have done this many, many times before. Uh, they've got it in their DNA. But, uh, but you know, we'll see. They scored against Spurs, you know, a you know, messy goal. And anyway, let's see what happens. Uh, I'm, I'm going for Real Madrid. Okay, well, we shall uh, chat. I started to, I loved, I loved, you remember you, before your time, De Stefano and Puskas, do you remember? Real oh, De Stefano, <laughs> he was Hungarian, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, they, they were the much. ultimate. They were the ultimate. <laughs> okay. Anyway. David, thank you very much for your time. Thank um, God I don't have to watch Arsenal in the next couple of weeks. Oh, for shame. Me. It's like the... going on holiday. Oh, <laughs> two months and two weeks to go. David, thank uh, you very much for your time. David okay. Shapiro is from Sassman Securities in Johannesburg, and that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.